Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sin of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sin of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 3 through 9. And this is the basis for today's sermon. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to Sunday morning worship at First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. Today is Sunday, April 19th, and this is worship. I just want to make sure we all know the date, the day of the week, and the activity in which we're engaged, because those are things that seem to be hard for us to keep track of in these days of self-isolation. It is traditionally known as Low Sunday, a Sunday following Easter where the attendance is lower than usual, and today that's particularly true, as there are four of us in this sanctuary together. It is also called Low Sunday because there's a letdown after the pageantry of Easter, the trumpets, the organ, the alleluias, and the smell of flowers throughout the sanctuary. Alex has joked that this Sunday is Cannonball Sunday, when you can let off a cannonball in the sanctuary and literally not hurt a soul. This Low Sunday is different, though, than previous Low Sundays. We didn't gather in great crowds last week to hear the trumpets, to sing Alleluia, to feel the hopeful signs of new life. And that reminds me, before I get into the text, there is something I'm very curious to know. How many of you watched Easter worship in your pajamas? It's okay, you can raise your hand, because the only person that's gonna see you raise your hand is the person that already knows you watched in your pajamas. It's only the second Easter in my 34 years of ministry where I watched Easter worship in my pajamas. Actually, the first Easter that I did that was 33 years ago when I was quite literally laboring at Krauss Irving Memorial Hospital in Syracuse, New York to bring our daughter into the world. That was a much more exciting Easter spent in pajamas than last week. I wonder too if any of you have had a day yet where you wore your pajamas all day long. Or do you cry at the drop of a hat? Lose your temper more quickly? Feel generally fed up with everyone and everything? Have you gone from one glass of wine before dinner to, to two or maybe more? Are you sleeping better or worse? Are you having crazy dreams? Are you worrying about the folks on the television shows that are standing too close together or shaking hands because, of course, the television shows were all taped before the pandemic? Even more importantly, this morning I wonder who feels sad and lost or angry and despairing. I don't know about you, but for me, some days are better than others. Some days I think we can do this. We're gonna make it through this self-quarantine. We can flatten the curve. We will have enough PPE and ventilators. 
And other days, I find myself feeling like this is never going to end. We aren't making any progress at all. People are going to keep dying. Maybe I'm going to get sick, or my parents, or my children. The anxiety can skyrocket. And what will our after-virus world look like? We're beginning to talk about it even now, but how many more times will any pastor have to preach in an empty sanctuary? A clergy friend of mine commented that even in our empty sanctuaries these days, there is a low hum of background noise. And that background noise that fills the sanctuary is the fear, the sorrow, the anxiety that comes as we listen day in and day out to news conferences held by our various leaders where nothing much seems to change. In spite of that background noise, or maybe because of it, pastors are called to bring a sense of joy, of hope, of peace, and encouragement to all of you each and every week. It's the Sunday after Easter, and it's clearly a low Sunday in 2020 for many reasons. We didn't get to hear the trumpets live. We didn't get to go out and buy new clothes or dress up and show off to our friends and family. We didn't get to gather around a table and celebrate a big family meal add to those things that we face an economic crisis unlike anything we have faced since the Great Depression. We face endless days of self-isolation, and we hear that even when the bans are lifted, it may not be safe to gather in large groups. Mayor Lightfoot has been hesitant to cancel any of the big festivals in our city for the summer festival festivals like Taste of Chicago or Lollapalooza. But deep in her heart and in our hearts, we think we know what will happen. Unless a vaccine is developed much faster than anticipated, we can't afford to gather in large groups. It is literally a matter of life and death. And into this bleak picture, 1 Peter speaks words of hope and encouragement and assurance that we need to hear just as much as the early church to which he wrote needed to hear them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead. Jesus is risen. First Peter is written to a group of Christian communities scattered around Asia Minor. Today, that's part of Turkey on a world map. The people who most likely made up this early church were women and Gentile converts. They were people, in other words, who were on the low end of the society. 
They had nothing to lose in their current status because they didn't have a status, and so they were excited to hear this new way of living and being. They were excited to hear about the teaching of Jesus and the healing that Jesus could provide. What they quickly discovered, however, is that their newfound faith pushed them even further to the outskirts of society. First and Second Peter are letters of encouragement, reminding the new believers of what they have gained by following Jesus. Those in power in those days didn't want to hear about this new way of living. And so the more these Gentile converts tried to embody the way of Christ, the more the establishment pushed against them. And they were truly suffering for their faith. Those in power mocked those who were trying to live holy lives, trying to let go of the greed and injustice that permeated their communities, their society. This letter reminds them that they have a new birth into a living hope that is real because they know about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. These followers have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. They have protection by the power of God through their faith. Even as they face trials, their faith cannot be taken away from them. No matter what else is going on in our world, we too live on the other side of the resurrection. We know the truth of Jesus being raised from the dead. We are Easter people. We live with the same assurance which the people of Asia Minor were given all those years ago. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, even today we echo these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even in this uncommon and uncomfortable way of being church, we echo those words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because this God has conquered death. We have a living God. We believe in a God who promises us an inheritance that nothing can destroy or spoil or wither. Not COVID-19 or the economic crisis that we are facing, not the incredibly high numbers of unemployment or the crushing burden on our healthcare system not the disproportionate number of people of color who are dying from this disease, not the number of homeless who are suffering in our streets. Nothing can destroy the inheritance that we have been given. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
We live on the other side of Easter. We live in the certain knowledge that Jesus is raised from the dead and lives today. And so we are called to praise God so that the genuineness of our faith may be seen by others who are looking for that which will sustain them through times of trial. This is our invitation today on this low Sunday, a month into a quarantine that feels like it will never end. The invitation is to rejoice in the midst of suffering. Even though we know small businesses are collapsing around us and more people than ever before are unemployed, we are invited to praise God. We are invited to do the hard work of following Jesus. We can engage in the struggle that this quarantine brings in the injustices that are rising to the surface in this time. We, Easter people, people who live in light of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, are invited to praise God even as we struggle and to engage in the struggles for ourselves and for others, struggles for fair housing, for living wage, for immigration reform. Those are not political agendas. Those are God's agenda. Those are the agendas of Jesus, the one raised from the dead. We can and should begin to fix our infrastructure so we have a healthcare system that is available to all people. We can and should work for better and, more just, and a more just world post-COVID-19 so that when or if another pandemic happens, we are better prepared. And those going into the front line do not have to be afraid for their very lives or the lives of those they love most. This is what Jesus invites us to do as Easter people. This is what it means to have genuine faith. This is what it means to live in praise of God and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. In the first week of this pandemic, I was watching a news special and I learned about a man named Chris Austin who lives and works in Waxahachie, Texas. Tonight, NBC News has learned that four ventilator companies will be upping their production of ventilators by 50%. But even those 50,000 new machines rolled out over the next year will be a drop in the bucket of need, projected to be in the hundreds of thousands. But into this grim picture enter hope from an unlikely spot just a few miles outside Waxahachie, Texas a device being mass-produced that some of the nation's top ICU doctors believe could help save thousands of people. Out behind his house in a series of four-car garages, Chris Austin, his family, and a few other volunteers are making what may be a miracle. Helmets for ventilation. 
the only one available in the U.S. that meets FDA requirements and has been studied in a hospital. Explain to me exactly how the helmet works. You have the tubes that, that feed the, uh, the air. The opening is cut uh, for the yep. patient's neck to make sure there's no leakage. Versions of the spacesuit-like helmet have been widely used in Italy, but never really caught on in the U.S., except for here at the University of Chicago, where ICU doctors started studying it four years ago. They were encouraged by the fact some patients could be spared for being put on a ventilator by using the helmet. Even if it's one out of three or one out of five, that is the case. That would be a game changer when we're seeing this tidal wave of patients who need a ventilator. Dr. Patel and her mentor, Dr. John Kress, have been working closely with Chris Austin to modify the helmets for COVID-19 patients. Dr. Kress put the helmet to work this week. Here is one of the first patients, an 81-year-old man. Having the oxygen that comes right off the wall supply without a ventilator at all um, is the idea, and it went very well. Back in Texas, orders pour in from all over the world. VA hospitals, Johns Hopkins, Mass General have all placed orders, as well as Canada, Mexico, Italy, and many more. Even though they're now producing a thousand helmets a week, they've been unable to keep up with demand. Working two shifts, uh, basically 24-7. Uh, we're all here till 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Is anybody sleeping in your household? The dog. She's the head of security. But he expects to be producing 5,000 units in just a few days, thanks to a surprise call from the CEO of Virgin Galactic. He said, Chris, I saw what you do, and we want to help, whatever it takes. Chris told him he needed more machines, but didn't have the cash to pay for them. Later that day... We had a call from the supplier that said, somebody just paid your bill. They'll be shipping tomorrow. So, Chris, how do you decide who's going to get them first? We know Boston, we know Chicago and places like that, so they really should get something quicker to save lives. The 20 they shipped to Chicago were delivered yesterday. I think the helmet has the potential to avoid um, needing ventilators and endotracheal tubes for all of our patients. I hope that our contribution is that perhaps we can spare a few ventilators for patients and give them to the patients that need them. And a final note. The helmets cost $162 before the coronavirus, and they still do. This probably sounds sappy, but we think of what if that was our son or daughter or, or grandfather sitting there in that bed gasping for air, and we have to explain to them that, I'm sorry, we don't have anything for you. Uh, and this, I think, will make it much more available for a larger number of people uh, as many places as we can get. So that's what really matters. Chris is offering to share the design for his helmets with any manufacturer who can make them for free. It looks like he's already got two takers in Michigan. He and his crew are a small business that use a four-car garage on his property to make ventilator helmets. They're similar to what you may have seen on the news uh, as the type of ventilator that was being used in Italy. They've been working for more than four years now with people at the University of Chicago to develop these ventilator helmets. These helmets prevent doctors from having to intubate people and therefore 
uh, tranquilize people who are on ventilators. So they are easier and they are safer, and in many cases they could be used rather than our traditional method of intubating people. Chris Austin is just your average guy. I don't know if he calls himself a Christian or even goes to church or perhaps he's a person of another faith, but in his work making these ventilator helmets, he witnesses to the risen Christ. We've heard about supplies being sold on the black market PPE, ventilators, all kinds of things, drugs being sold on the black market, triple, five times, 10 times their usual cost. Chris Austin makes these helmets for $162. That's what they cost in January. That's what they cost today. And even more surprising, Chris Austin offers his design to anyone who thinks they can make these ventilator helmets for no cost. He is not looking to make money on this pandemic. He is simply loving his neighbor, walking the way of Jesus. When we don't know how we can stand one more day of isolation, we can think about the doctors and the nurses who go to work for 12-hour shifts, who hold the hands of one of our family members who are dying because we can't be there. When we forget what it means to live on the other side of the cross, we can think about the EMTs and the police officers and the firefighters who risk their lives every day during regular times and who are especially at high risk right now. When we want an example of what it means to follow the way of Christ, we can think about Chris Austin and countless others like him who are working with joy and with praise, showing the path of Christ, loving their neighbor, putting others ahead of themselves. This is the fundamental message of the resurrection. Everywhere we look these days, there is evidence of resurrection. People who are sewing endless face masks so that there are enough for all of us. People who are delivering food to homeless guests in their hotel rooms. People who have made it possible for the vast majority of the homeless population in this area to stay in hotels. People who work late into the night opening new deliveries and shelving food that we pull off the shelf the next morning just as rapidly. As hard as this Sunday after Easter is this year, it is a wonder to behold because there are so many living and breathing examples of Christ all around us. Oh, they are always there. 
But in the midst of this suffering and this struggle, they shine like the lights of hope we are all invited to be. I don't know how we will come back from this. I can't tell you when these pews will be full again. I can't tell you that we won't get sick, that more people won't die from this virus. I do know that we are all suffering an incredible emotional toll during this pandemic. I do know that your pastors and pastors all over the country are going to have to learn new ways of being pastors to people who are suffering post-traumatic stress from this time of quarantine. I do know that we will have to be intentional in our emotional and spiritual recovery, just as we will be intentional with physical and economic recovery. I do know that our country, our community, our world, our church, and our families will be forever changed because of this pandemic. Yet still I can and I will rejoice because God has secured my salvation and God has secured your salvation. God has chosen us in mercy to give us new birth into a living hope. Even on a low Sunday, when I am privileged to preach to a congregation that exists well beyond my view, I challenge you to live into your faith during this Easter season. Allow God to work in your hearts, to deepen and strengthen our faith even as we experience the pain and injustice and uncertainty of our daily lives. And remember always, although we have not seen Jesus, we love Jesus. We believe in Jesus, and so we are able to rejoice with indescribable and glorious joy, even while we suffer for the living hope, the living hope that can never be destroyed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.